Hello and welcome to the Pet Purpose Podcast. This is a podcast for passionate pet parents who want to take pet parenting to the next level. Our audience are always looking for ways to provide the best care for their companions. I'm Brett the Vet, and each episode I will share useful information and key takeouts that you can easily adopt to magnify the care, adventure, and excitement that you enjoy by having committed to becoming a dedicated pet parent just like me. In this two-part episode, we're going to be discussing ticks. In part one, we'll discover what ticks are and what we should be concerned about when it comes to ticks. And in part two, we'll discuss a particular species of tick that can be quite dangerous for our pets, as well as how to protect our pets against ticks. This episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast is brought to you by tailovation.com.au. Tailovation is the site for passionate pet parents looking for credible information and quality products for their pets. Visit tailovation.com.au. It's tails up to that. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump straight in. What do you say about that, boy? (coughs) Now it's during the months of spring and summer when the adult ticks tend to become more active. So what types of ticks are of concern for dogs and cats? And what simple steps can you consider for protection? Before we get there, let's begin with a fictitious story. Just go with me on this one because it's a useful way to illustrate how a tick could impact our lives. So I want you to imagine the following. It's a beautiful warm spring day. You're dressed and ready for a walk and you grab the dog leash. Your dog barks and jumps around the living room with great excitement. Let's go, let's go. You can almost hear him yapping in anticipation as he wiggles his whole body. You securely clip the lead onto his harness, open the front door, and away you both go. He struts down the street ahead of you, tracking along the pavement for a few blocks as your dog busily sniffs all the posts and street poles along the way with a leg lift after each sniff. He proudly trots along to the next odorous tree stump. You pass a few other people walking who are out and about in the bright morning sunlight. Some are walking alone, but many also have their dogs with them. Your pooch exchanges a few happy pants and a sniff with some of the other four-legged friends before heading along further with you. You soon make your way along the nature strip and head along a narrow footpath lined by grass on either side and eucalyptus trees towering above you. You both leap over a stream and continue your walk through the bush. Half an hour later, you are both back at home energized and refreshed from the morning's walk in the fresh air, ready to continue with the rest of the day's activities. Fast forward six days and you are in tears. You are distraught, visiting your beloved pet in the vet hospital. He is hooked up to intravenous fluids and is on a ventilator, which is doing all the breathing for him. What on earth could have happened here? I mean, how could your dog have ended up this way? Could you have done anything different to avoid this nightmare? While this is a totally fictitious story, it's a good way to set the scene for discussing ticks and the potential risks some of them may pose for our pets. So let's delve into this ticking time bomb topic a little further, and we'll loop back to the story a bit later. Alright, so what exactly is a tick? Well, a tick is a blood-sucking parasite. Ticks attach themselves to a host 
and there can be many different types of hosts depending on the species of tick. They attach themselves to their host using unique mouth parts and they feed on the host by taking a blood meal. So are ticks a type of insect? Well no, ticks are not actually insects. Adult insects have six legs and oftentimes they have wings. Ticks on the other hand are part of the arachnid class of arthropods which means that they are more like spiders. So like spiders, adult ticks have eight legs. However, unlike spiders, they they do not spin a web. And the life cycle of ticks includes eggs, which hatch to form tiny little six-legged larvae, which then molt and develop into eight-legged nymphs or nymphae, which eventually molt and develop into eight-legged adult ticks, which then mate and go on to produce more eggs to once again start the life cycle off. Now I made mention of molting. Molting simply means that they shed their skin or their exoskeleton as they grow from one stage of the life cycle to the next. It's sort of like taking off or shedding a jacket that be, that, that sort of become too small. Or it's almost like Clark Kent heading into a telephone booth to shed his normal clothes to turn into Superman. Now all stages of the life cycle, that's the larvae, nymphs and adults, feed on blood from their hosts. And although there are many different species of ticks, there are three ticks in particular that are of greatest interest when it comes to domestic dogs and cats here in Australia. And these are the brown dog tick, the bush tick and the paralysis tick. So why is it that we should be concerned about ticks? Well, due to the fact that ticks feed on the blood of our pets, they do have the potential to transmit diseases. And the way they do this is by transferring microorganisms such as bacteria or other nasties, also known as pathogens, which can result in disease in our pets. Diseases that are transmitted by parasites are sometimes referred to as vector-borne diseases, uh, the vector being the tick in this instance. Now, a good example of a serious vector-borne disease in humans in certain parts of the world is malaria, where the mosquito is the vector that transmits the malaria parasite as it feeds on its host. Now, as far as ticks go, there are diseases of the blood that can be transmitted by the tick when they take a meal. And then there are those species of ticks that can inject toxins into their host whilst they're feeding. In certain parts of the world, there are some tick diseases transmitted by the blood, such as Lyme disease in the United States and Babesiosis in Africa, which, you can, which can make pets sick. And in the case of Babesia, can even cause death if they are not treated appropriately. In Australia, we are actually quite fortunate because there are not many tick-borne diseases in dogs and cats. There is a blood-borne disease transmitted by ticks called elichiosis or tropical canine pansardopenia, which has been identified in dogs in the Northern Territory in Australia. Unfortunately for us, it's not currently widespread across the continent. And while the name tropical canine pansardopenia sounds fancy and it's a tongue twister, it simply means that it causes a drop in all types of blood cells in the body. This includes a drop in red blood cells, white blood cells, and even the tiny little platelets, which are important, especially when it comes to clotting of the blood. Besides diseases transmitted by ticks via the blood of the host, 
There are, as mentioned, certain types of ticks that have the potential to inject toxins into their host. And these toxins have the potential to cause ill effects in their host. Another cause for concern is that on the odd occasion, the tick bite may actually at times become infected and develop into a wound on the skin at the site of attachment. So depending on the type of tick, uh, they may have the potential to transmit diseases or they may inject toxins into their host and their bites may become infected. And these are some of the reasons why we should be concerned about ticks in our pets. All right, so let's talk about how ticks get onto our pets to take a blood meal. I mean, do ticks jump onto our pets or how do they get onto them? Well, fortunately, ticks are not able to jump. And I say fortunately because they would probably get around a lot more easily if they were able to jump. In actual fact, ticks are generally fairly slow, certainly compared to other parasites like fleas. To explain how ticks get onto our pets, let's briefly go back to the life cycle of the tick, and then we'll also make mention of the anatomy of ticks. So firstly, the life cycle. You'll remember that there is an immature larva, which develops into a nymph, which in turn develops into an adult tick. Now, each of these three stages of the life cycle feeds on the blood of a host. And all three of the tick species already mentioned, the brown dog tick, the bush tick, and the paralysis tick, all three of them are three host ticks. And that means that instead of the larva getting onto one host and remaining on that same individual as the larva becomes a nymph, which then becomes an adult, in the three host tick species, the tick drops off each time it changes its life stage. And this means that it has to climb back onto a new host each time. In other words, each life cycle stage in a three-host tick is feeding on a different individual host. And each time a tick drops off its host to, to develop into the next stage of development, it lives in the surrounding environment. So for brown dog ticks, this environment is typically in and around where the dog frequents, which could be in cracks and crevices and doors. It could be in certain areas of the garden or could be around a kennel or around the bedding. For the bush tick and the paralysis tick, the surrounding environment is most often grass and leaf litter and forest scrub and shrubs. So given the life cycle, we know that each stage of the tick drops off and then has to somehow get back onto another host. So how does it do that? Well, this is where the anatomy of ticks comes into discussion. In order to get onto a host, the tick positions itself on some vegetation with outstretched legs waiting for a potential host to walk past and brush up against that vegetation. And in so doing, the host picks up the tick in its coat of hair, in the case of a dog or cat, or onto the clothing if it's a tasty human walking by. Now, the tick clings on using tiny paired claws that it has on the ends of its legs. It then makes its way onto a suitable place on the host and it sinks its mouth parts in and then it begins um, feeding. Now, the activity where the tick positions itself on vegetation with outstretched legs waiting for a host to walk by 
is known as questing. And ticks have sharp mouthparts that can cut into the skin of their host, where little capillaries are the source of the tick's blood meal. Ticks are able to remain attached quite firmly to their host due to a combination of barbs on their mouthparts and or cement which they secrete, which helps them anchor them to the skin of their host. Now the paralysis tick does not produce cement to help it attach to its host, and it relies only on the barbs to keep it attached. So the tick is attached and feeding on blood. And when ticks are fully engorged with blood, they can look quite different to when they are unengorged or unfed. So an engorged tick can look quite plump and roundish, almost like a plump raisin or sultana. Whereas unfed, ticks are much smaller and flatter. They are more like the consistency of a tiny pepita or pumpkin seed. In part two of this episode, we'll discuss the paralysis tick in more detail. We'll discuss how to protect your pet from ticks and how to do tick searches and more. We'll also loop back on the story that we began with, the one where you and your dog went for a walk and your dog ended up in the vet hospital on a ventilator a few days later. Yes, we'll loop back to that story in part two. So let's sum up part one of this episode. Ticks, as we have stated, are parasites and they have special mouth parts that allow them to feed on the blood of their host. The life cycle of the tick involves eggs hatching into larvae, which develop into nymphae, and then into adults. The three ticks of greatest interest to uh, pet parents in Australia are the brown dog tick, the bush tick, and the paralysis tick. Ticks get onto their host by seeking out their host, which often involves questing behavior as they wait for a host to pass by. And finally, ticks do have the potential to cause health concerns in our pets. Please share this episode with those pet parents that you think need to hear this. If we can prevent just one pet from the potential perils of ticks, then we would all have done a great deed. This episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast was brought to you by tailovation.com.au. Tailovation is the site for passionate pet parents looking for credible information and quality products for their pets. Visit tailovation.com.au. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for being such a great audience. Please go ahead and share this episode with other passionate pet parents. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review. Remember, you're awesome and your pet thinks so too. It's tails up to that. Wouldn't you agree, boy? <laughs>